0: G'day, g'day, it's Jessie, welcome back to the Create and Thrive podcast. I almost said welcome to the Business of Making podcast then because I just did an intro for the Business of Making, (laughs) an episode of that, getting confused as to which podcast I'm talking on. Now, this is the Create and Thrive podcast and today I have an interview for you. This is a really exciting interview, I really enjoyed it uh, because the maker in question makes one-of-a-kind items, mostly sells online and has become really successful, especially post-COVID. Uh, doing this, and he is based in Australia. He upcycles old, cool objects into lamps, and his business is called Upswitch. So, I'm going to be talking to Michael today about his business, and we get into all sorts of ins and outs about how it's grown, how it started, uh, how COVID affected it, and more. And before we start that, I just want to give a shout out to all the members of the Thriver Circle, my membership community for makers. As you know, I don't run ads on this podcast. It is completely supported by you, my listeners, via becoming a member of the Thriver Circle or signing up to one of my e-courses or buying an eBook. Basically, you know, supporting my business that way. So huge thank you to everyone who's done that. Huge thank you to the members of the Thriver Circle who um, really make this podcast possible. And also all of the subscribers to my YouTube channel and those of you who watch my YouTube videos Uh, because I get a little bit of income via that as well Uh, so I really appreciate everyone who's supporting my YouTube channel now that I'm putting a bit more effort into that and you can find that over at youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Den I couldn't do this uh, without you. And for those of you who can't support financially, no worries. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you trusting me to help you on your journey. Uh, something you could do is to either share the show or leave a review. So you can easily share, like in your Instagram stories, just take a screenshot and tag me at Create and Thrive on Instagram and just share with other people that you enjoy what i put out here and that just helps me reach more people and uh, leaving a review is also really awesome especially on apple podcasts it just helps the the podcast get found more easily and i just really like hearing from you and knowing that uh, this this podcast is having a helpful impact on your life i really appreciate that so thank you to everybody who's done all of those things in the past speaking of courses my flagship course setup shop is open right now and it starts on monday the 1st of march so just a few days left to get in if you want to join us for that run of the course i do run the course twice a year but i'll be running it again somewhere around september october i haven't set the exact date yet However, you know, the good thing about setup shop is once you sign up, you can come back and do the course as many times as you like. And you've got access to the private Facebook group. You've got access to the content. And uh, if you really do want to set up a stellar online shop for your handmade goods, this is the course that will help you do that. So, go on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop if you'd like to find out more. Doesn't matter what venue you set up on, could be Shopify, could be WooCommerce, could be Squarespace, could be Etsy, doesn't matter. Uh, this course will work no matter what platform you want to use. It's not a tech course so much as that it, it is a system to make sure that you don't miss any of the important steps of all the things you need to add and make sure you have on your website. Uh, in order for it to you know actually entice people reach people all those sorts of things so that is starting very very soon uh Thank you to everybody who's already joined. We already have a really good cohort of people signed up. It's exciting. Everybody's putting their introductions in the Facebook group, getting to know each other. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this run of the course and getting to know you and helping you with your businesses. Uh, Over 1,200 people, so 1,200 people have used this system to set up their online shops. If you want to join us, again, createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop is where to go in order to make that happen. Okay, so let's get started and dive in to this interview with Michael Henley from Upswitch. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. So I'm here today with Michael Hanley of Upswitch. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: I was really excited uh, to bring you on because I often don't get the chance to talk to one of a kind makers. A lot of the people I talk with, uh, you know, focus on online sales and do sort of reproducible yeah. products. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about that process today. Yeah, sure. So how did you start like, how did you get into what you do? It's, it's quite an unusual craft.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I guess, think of that at the time. But, um, yeah, I guess more and more people sort of wonder what, what sort of how it came to be, I suppose. And um, I, yeah, I started out as a, as a teacher. I was teaching music and I was looking for something new to try and something creative that I was hoping to do more hands-on. And um, yeah, it happened to be that I just sort of, I feel like I fell into it almost, but um, I was already recycling and collecting things and um, and also fixing things and, and repurposing objects, um, old objects into new things. And then all of a sudden I just had a bit of an idea that maybe I could focus on lamps uh, mm. and I had no background in lighting design or electrical work and I just sort of thought that was a cool idea and I really wanted to pursue it and yeah it wasn't until I was traveling in 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 Europe actually and and just becoming really inspired by makers and creators that I saw at at markets and um, I stayed with a a guy in Germany who was a found object artist and he was uh, making things out of little bits of rubbish and and things that he'd found in, in, in curbside collections and all those sorts of places. And then, yeah, I just, that kind of gave me the idea that this could be an art form that couldn't just, it wasn't just something that could be, um, a hobby. It could be something that could be pursued further as a, as a business or, um, something that, yeah, could be something that people were after and something that people wanted. And I suppose, the idea for lamps when I when I came to that. I thought, well everyone's already got lamps in their in their houses and you can never have too many lamps in <laughs> in, in any house or room. And um, yeah, I thought that could be a cool thing and to try and, and, and work on. So yeah, that's where where it started.
0: And how long ago kind of did that all happen?
1: Uh, that was in two thousand and fifteen. So mm-hmm. That was, yeah, five years ago or so now. And um, from there, I I had the idea and I sort of made a few things and experimented and got some feedback from, from friends and family. And and then I, I actually started doing the, the NICE course. Um, I'm not sure if you know about that one. I do,
0: but can you just explain it for those who don't?
1: Australia, So it's called um, New Enterprise Initiative Scheme, and it's a government-run um scheme that helps small businesses to grow and develop in 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 a short period of time i suppose and mm-hmm. um so there was a 12 week course of of how to run a business and how to um do marketing and and things like that to to grow a business and then from there you get 9 months of of government support um to develop your business and and work on it and and see how it goes and yeah, that was where it started for me and and that gave me a good boost and um, a really broad range of skills that I needed for running my own business because i would never really done it before and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think from that it was able to grow to a point where um, I could sustain it and and didn't need the, the government support after that point. Mm-hmm. and um yeah it just grew from there
0: so did it become your full-time job
1: um it did only probably in the last two years i think for the first three years i was still um teaching um guitar mm-hmm. to supplement um my income and and have as a sort of i guess a, a um, bit of a something to fall back on if i needed but i didn't i i I got to the point where I was putting more time and energy into the business and I just couldn't sustain both things at once and also I think taking that leap really helped to, to boost the business to another level that i I didn't really i think I was scared before that but um mm. uh, and and it is hard to just not have that regular income I think um, yeah. that you for things like bills and rent that you just wonder if it's going to come if you don't have that regular income. So, I, yeah, taking that leap of, of, of um, faith, I suppose, was a tricky decision to make, but I'm, I'm glad I did in the end.
0: Yeah, it is a bit of a terrifying moment. Mm. <laughs> when it pays off, it's definitely worth it. So how did you get your work out there? Like how did you first decide, okay, well, I want to sell it. How am I going to sell it?
1: Well, the main drive or um, springboard for me was doing physical markets and design markets. And so I started off doing a really small one in, um, in Melbourne, which is, is, is called um, Rose street artist market. And mm-hmm. um. it's, it's quite a well known one in, in Melbourne a lot of tourists go there and there's some beautiful designers and, and, creators and makers that, that sell their works there. So it was a really nice community and, and group of people that I could learn from who had experience. Some people had been doing it for 10 or 20 years at that particular market every weekend. Mm-hmm. And from there, you find out about other little markets that are on or bigger markets that are on regularly. And, and so I found out about the Finder's Keepers design market,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is held in Melbourne, but also Sydney and... Brisbane. And yeah, then I found out more about these bigger events, um, that were held interstate like, like that finders keepers market and another one in Canberra. And I started to travel all all around doing those events. And, um, yeah, that was where I think I really developed my, um, motivation and, and, and also my technique and it was really just i I just really enjoyed meeting people and getting their feedback and meeting other makers and getting their ideas and 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 how they make their businesses work Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah i think from there it just was was yeah got to a point where i was doing yeah market every every other week and a lot of driving um Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of making the other thing for me i was Having deadlines, I'm not very good at um, working to my own internal motivation. Sometimes, so mm-hmm. when I knew that I had a market coming up, and I knew that I was going to be presenting things to the public, and and needing to make my money back, and and yeah, needing to make sales, I I it really pushed me to come up with new ideas and to make a lot of stock in a, in a short amount of time mm-hmm. because I knew I had something to aim for and something to, yeah, that that deadline that really kicked me up the butt.
0: I love that idea. Yeah, that's, it's a really good point, actually. I don't know if I've ever, ever heard anybody phrase it that way before, but having that, you know, regular deadline kind of keeps you motivated. I know for me, like, because we sell to order, um, you know, when orders come in, it's like, right, got to get it done now. So you've got that. That motivation. Um, I think, have you been to the Brisbane Finders Keepers?
1: Yes, yeah, we've done that yeah. a few times. I,
0: I'm pretty sure I've seen your stall there, actually. <laughs> when I when I saw your uh, photos, I'm like, I'm sure I've seen them in the Brisbane Finders Keepers. So, there you go. Yep, yeah, we've it's really been, cool. definitely. Okay, so you, you did the markets regularly. Um, do you do wholesaling as well?
1: Um, I've done some wholesaling and yeah, a lot of times that's another good thing about those markets is that some wholesalers do come to those markets to find
2: uh, mm.
1: new makers and, and, and products to stock. So I've got a few through that organically that I yeah, haven't had to hunt down or, or, or chase. But I suppose because I've become quite busy through follow-ups from the markets and, and people that have um, bought from me previously at the markets... Um, I haven't pursued wholesaling, but, I, I, yeah, I definitely have, have I've got probably oh, half a dozen or so at the moment. And, yeah, it's good for, for, for another stream of income that I guess I wasn't... Mm-hmm. When I started out, I didn't even consider that as an option or something that I could do. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's definitely good to have that exposure as well in, in somebody else's shop or, or space. Um, and, and, and also, I guess, as a community of creators and stuff, when people, um, showcase your, your work and, um, more people find out about you, yeah, the, the more, more people are sort of more likely to buy something, I suppose, or, or to follow up and find out more about your business.
0: Mm. So what about online sales? Is that at all a big part of your business? I imagine... Because it's you know because you make one of a kind things, it uh, takes a bit more time to get everything photographed and up on there.
1: Definitely, this last year, since um, COVID's hit, the, the, the physical markets haven't been able to run, um, so online has has started to be my main focus. Um, and I think that's well going back to the markets. Really good that I did establish um, a bit of a following things through the markets because then those people who aren't able to go out and go to the markets now, um, have been following up online and, and yeah, I'm still not great at doing my own self-promotion online as far as marketing and, uh, you know, things like, um, advertising and, and, and boosting posts and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's something that I definitely want to work on more. And and, and definitely things like Etsy um, have been a good little boost as far as directing more traffic either to my website or, um, you know, international people that have been placing orders through Etsy that otherwise wouldn't have found me, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely not, you know, any plans to do markets in in Germany anytime soon. (laughs)
0: It's, that's the amazing thing about selling online, isn't it? Just it's, it expands your uh, customer base so incredibly.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just exponentially, and I think the I'm I'm still scared of it because I don't understand it fully, or and and, and never will. But um, yeah, there's still something that about the physical markets that um feels more tactile, and 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 maybe for my product, I think seemed to work well because mm. people would come to a market and. They wouldn't be expecting to see my product, yeah. And and they would, there'd be the the sort of main um, different lines of products that they would be looking at would be clothes and jewelry and ceramics and um, textiles candles. and candles, <laughs> yep, <laughs> soaps and and everything else. And then, I mine just sort of would stand out from that, mm-hmm. and that that's um, sort of really helped me to. Um, yeah, to do well at, at those markets as well as, um, yeah, just, I, I just like seeing people react to um, seeing something or trying something for the first time, whereas obviously online you don't get that feedback. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's also helped me to um, develop my products into what I, yeah, based on that feedback, what I know will work and what I know people will um yeah, appreciate or, or get into.
0: So do you have much, I'm curious, do you have many like custom requests for certain types of like items being turned into lamps? Maybe limb items that some people have had or just, you know, hey, can you find a, this thing to make a lamp out of for me?
1: Yes, absolutely, all the time. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's that's now another sort of, I guess, avenue or stream of, um, of, of customers or, or income is... Um, these custom orders where people we will often bring me something that is either a, uh, a family heirloom or something that they've um, collected many years ago and it's collecting dust and they don't know what to do with it but they just can't bear to throw it away and um, yeah so that's that's another really big focus of, of the business now is um, making those things for customers because, yeah, they can't just buy that somewhere else or, or get mm-hmm. that done easily. And, and obviously, um, yeah, not able to do it themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's been yeah interesting when, and that's yeah exciting when people bring me something that I hadn't even thought of turning into a lamp um, <laughs> or light. And, and, and all of a sudden, I'm given this challenge of how are we going to make it work and you know sometimes they've got the idea for the design and the and and how they want it to look and other times they just give give it to me and i have to come up with all of the ideas and bounce it back and forth and 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 yeah that's really fun um process yeah to work with somebody else and 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 their ideas as well as uh, like i said other objects that i might not have otherwise come across whether it's yeah somebody's old gramophone record player or Somebody brought me a roller skate, <laughs> um, yeah, an old leather roller skate. That was pretty cool. And, and somebody brought me their granddad's old binoculars. Um, mm. and, and, and and also with, with the books that I make, these are mm. holding book lamps that um, have been really popular using vintage books. But obviously people love certain authors and certain titles and certain topics of books. And so they'll either bring me one or... Some people might say, have you got or can you find, you know, a book about insects? And, and you know, I've got about 500 to 1,000 books in storage here that um, I look through. And if there's nothing on insects, I can seek something out online or they mm. might have something that I can use.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. Like, if everybody, you have to go check out the website because it's like... Uh, there's uh, what do we got we've got a trumpet uh a
1: oh, that was an custom <laughs> one
0: oh cool uh like a oh, what we, a bowling pin there's like an old retro phone a gumball machine a tennis racket a microscope that's like there's so many cool things that you've turned into into lamps and so, like the way that you've worked out how to do it, it's quite ingenious in a lot of cases so it's very yeah. cool to look at
1: i mean that's the most exciting and fun part for me is finding new things to create into lamps because once you start to work on it, you know, you're just looking at everything and wondering how it could become a lamp and whether it would work, um, at, you know, not a matter of whether it works, you can make anything work, but how mm-hmm. it's going to work. And, um, yeah, every design is, is, is obviously has to be informed by... The object that, or how it already exists, and what materials it's made of, and um, how your electrical components are going to fit inside or around it and attach to it, and yeah, that's what what gets me excited and keeps me keeps me challenged.
0: So, how much time do you spend sort of sourcing new objects, like going and and would you have like places you go over and over again, or do you try to try, try to find new places?
1: um so there's a, a, there's a lot of places that I go I suppose <laughs> um, and and different avenues and um, I guess that was another thing why I sort of started the business or um, got into it because I already had a big passion for secondhand um, objects and you know I used to go garage sailing with my dad when I was growing up and hmm. and I Went hard rubbishing when I was in my um, late teen years, and oh, I don't know if what, maybe curbside collection is it up in Queensland. Yeah, we got that to you too. Yeah, yeah. so cruising yeah, cruising
0: the curbside collection.
1: <laughs> you know, picking up all sorts of old, mostly broken things or disused objects, um, and I sometimes do that a little bit now. But I also have a bit of a tendency to take more than i need Mm -hmm. um and and that has become a challenge is is refining my work um and trying to set certain um designs that i can replicate Mm -hmm. um and and yeah so i guess sourcing things i'll definitely go to op shops i've always gone to op shops and i used to you know i used to only look at clothes and now i don't look at clothes at all because I'm rummaging <laughs> through books and records and knickknacks and <laughs> and and, and bric-a-brac and you know the sports section for tennis mm-hmm. rackets and you know so op shops are are definitely and and because they're everywhere it's 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 fun going to new ones that you hadn't found out about
2: mm-hmm. and
1: little country town ones on on the trip up to Adelaide or oh, Sydney, yeah they they so. have
0: some good stuff those little yeah the, town the little-
1: ones. They're, they're where you get the real bargains and and I think yeah definitely around the the main cities prices have gone up a little bit mm. so if there's something that's cool and rare like a, a camera or a telephone that I'm looking for it might be too expensive at the op shop to make it worth my while yeah um, so the other place I'll I've started looking for things I feel like I'm giving away some of my secrets
0: <laughs> I don't think you have much competition out there or do you I don't know. Um
1: no, not maybe not for what necessarily what I'm doing, but you're
0: just like other people who collect stuff. I'm telling them where to go Oh
1: yeah. But, I mean but there's I mean everyone knows about Facebook marketplace and, yeah. uh, and eBay, you know, and, and I mean at least with those it's it's made it easy because rare objects that are harder to find that you're never gonna find at an op shop or a garage mm. sale. Like a microscope for example, um, you need to find online and you know australia-wide or sometimes some things even you have to seek internationally because Mm -hmm. they're just not available um in australia sometimes so yeah that's where ebay um is 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 really good for finding those more niche things and and also trying to get a a, a better price on things Mm -hmm. because you also trying to get things in bulk which is a challenge um Mm. but you know i've been lucky enough to, to stumble across a few people selling their entire vintage camera collection um, you know and, mm. and I feel I, I, I felt a bit bad because I didn't want to tell him what I was doing with them <laughs> um, in case he might not want to sell them to me Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah you get lucky little nuggets of gold like that every now and then where that will that means that I don't need to go to op shops, you know, mm-hmm. daily because I can have a, a, a steady stream of, of, of some an object that I can then replicate the the, the models or the designs of the lamps as well.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, obviously one of a kind, every camera that I find is, is going to be slightly different, but... Um, yeah, at least I can I can replicate them and, and similarly enough that I don't need to take a new photo every single time because mm-hmm. that would be much more time consuming <laughs> and difficult.
0: For sure. So it sounds like you have the eternal hoarding problem of crafters everywhere.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> Sh- I, shiny objects in general, that would be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, things just sometimes become part of my collection or I've got a bad habit of um, worrying about Things being too good to be, you know, <laughs> yes. repurposed, and 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 so it might just sit there for for years, you know, in my space or my storage because I'm worried about drilling a hole through and ruining it forever, um, or I just feel like, yeah, some things maybe shouldn't be mm-hmm. turned into something else at this as from a historical point of view, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, that definitely ends up with me just accumulating more things that I requ- than I require, which is also you, you almost need because if you're sometimes repurposing things, I'll be using multiple materials in the one object. Mm. So, you know, I'll be trying to refashion um, something to, to, to make, for instance, a, a robot. I used to make... Uh, um, if you found object robots so it might be you know a camera for the body and it might be a, some torches for the legs and it might be an old spanner or something for the arm but yeah when you're creating sculptures that are multifaceted and make use of different materials
0: mm.
1: it's it's handy having lots of different things to choose from
0: yeah definitely you can just kind of search through your your hoard and find something that works
1: yeah but yeah, organisation is definitely a challenge. For
0: me. <laughs> do you have like storage space away from your home?
1: Um, not currently. Okay, yeah. No, I used to have some, but um, yeah, I probably do need some. But we've got my <laughs> wife. Um, but I, I just feel like I need a bigger shed or yep. um, workspace. Or more shelving, but like, yeah, all the walls are full. I, I, I don't know what to do at this stage. <laughs> the other thing is, if you can't see an object or something, mm. you don't, or and you don't remember it, you've got it. Um, it can often just, it, it it's not useful to you. Then you know. So yeah. I do like to see the things that I'm going to be making or have make uh, make use of, but if they're buried in a pile of um, other stuff. It's it's really hard to either get to. Some sometimes I'm, you know, trying to get to something that's in the corner, and I've got to move another hundred objects to get to it. <laughs> or I know that I've got something, and I just don't know where I've put it.
0: Yes, that's so frustrating. It sounds like the state of my wardrobe because I never throw anything out. It's like I I really need to do a cull in there. <laughs> and you find it's something I like, I totally forgot I had that, and I've had it for years. Yep. um It sounds like that American picker show a little bit too, sort of digging through the treasure trying to find something uh, that you're looking for.
1: Yeah, sometimes I when I rediscover something that I forgot I'd 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 bought years ago, I'm you know, you're reinvigorated really and re really excited and that <laughs> that can be really inspiring as well. But often I yeah, it's probably that um, collecting or hoarding tendency that it's better for me just to go exploring in my own <laughs> workspace rather than go out to another op shop.
0: For sure. So, what does a typical like day or week look like for you? Like, how much time do you spend making? How much time do you spend working on the business? Do you have any hobbies outside of the business or anything else that you spend your time on?
1: Um, so, it, I guess that fluctuates quite a lot depending on mostly the time of year mm-hmm. and, and particularly with the with the markets um, whenever they're running. I'm 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 sort of yeah moving around a lot more when they're happening so leading up to a market it might be doing 8 hours a day of, of, of making plus a few hours admin plus a few hours fo- photographing and editing photos to promote that um, for, for Instagram and, and to promote being at the markets um, and then other times um, you know, I'll, I can I can take a few days off and relax and spend time with my uh, one year old, and yeah, it's 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 it, I kind of struggle sometimes with that fluctuating schedule, mm-hmm. and not having a set time that I need to be in the workshop or making. But um, yeah, I usually try to balance between probably two to three hours of admin and maybe three to four hours of making, um, every day. And yeah, then around that, there might be more packing, taking things to the, to the post office. And as I said, if I'm doing a market and it's interstate, I've got to, you know, plan a few days Mm. of driving and, um, yeah, that could be five days that I'm, that I'm gone in total. So Yeah, it it, it goes from completely off to switched on, you know, staying up till 2 or 3 a.m. Sometimes leading up to markets just to make enough stock and especially even the Christmas period last year with, um, how many orders I had coming in, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I was pushing myself probably more than I was, was capable, thought I would be capable of Mm -hmm. and, um, Yeah, I'm kind of thankful that there wasn't markets on because I I don't think I could have done both. Um, And I have in the previous years done markets. So between October and December, there might be um, seven or eight markets on Mm. and many of those with travel and plus online orders that you've got to fulfill. So I have had help in the past, um, but yeah. When I do it all on my own, it's 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 definitely difficult to balance everything and get everything done in time.
0: Mm. Was COVID a bit of a blessing in disguise? Considering you obviously just had a a child in the last year, and you were home a bit more than you perhaps would have been otherwise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I um I I don't want to say it was the best thing that ever happened to mm. me, but um <laughs> the yeah definitely. I was already at the start of this uh last year um spending more time at home and and just our our, our daughter was born in january so we yeah it was nice to have a break from from the markets and from work and then slowly pick that up through the year and and not have to be traveling and, and and going um as gun ho as I was the previous year, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely enjoyed the fact that I slowed down and and it's also I think yeah it made me or helped me to reflect on what what I want my um, future to look like as far as how much work and 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 travel I take on versus being at home and and spending time with the family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's been a positive outcome as far as I can see, um, at this point. And, and it might be a challenge once things are back open and back on again, mm. but I think I will definitely be more, um, organized and, and have those routines in place or also I think just, um, yeah, manage my time better and, <laughs>
0: It's and, the and, eternal and, struggle, uh, isn't it? Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> well, the, and the, I mean, you probably have this as well, but working from home and finding a balance between relaxing in that space and working in that space—something mm. I still still navigating. I've only done it for a few years, and it's yeah, it's definitely not easy.
0: Do you have a like a defined workspace in your home?
1: Uh, yes, I do. Downstairs, there's a. Um, a spare room and an old kitchen Mm -hmm. that was a separate living space. So that's been transformed into the sort of storage and, um, studio or workshop. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's it's nice to have a separate space that I can go to and, and switch on, um, to work mode. But then I'll also have things that I forget or leave upstairs and need to go and get (laughs) and, as soon as I go up there and you know you see a a smiling baby (laughs) it's it's easy to become distracted
0: I can imagine yeah it is it is hard to to do that I know some people like I love working from home because I just love just being able to be at home but I know some people really struggle with it and eventually they you know prefer to have a separate workspace just to have that separation so I guess it's a bit different for everybody yeah do you want to get more sales on Etsy? Etsy is a huge part of my business and the vast majority of my sales come from Etsy search. That means I have to optimize me Etsy SEO or search engine optimization in order to be found. And if you want to be found, you need to do the same. If you'd like some tricks and tips to help you optimize your search engine optimization on Etsy, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash Etsy SEO. And you can download my Etsy SEO cheat sheet, which will teach you all of the tips you need to implement in order to make sure that you're getting your best possible ranking on Etsy search. That's createandthrive.com forward slash Etsy SEO to download that free cheat sheet right now. Um, and of course, you know, nowadays we're never with our phones and everything, we're never completely separated from work because we've always got our email and our Instagram and everything uh, else yeah, right by our side.
1: It's definitely <laughs> been a challenge um, in this last, yeah, while being at, at home and, and with through COVID, um, yeah, needing to be on online to have that presence and, and to, um, you know, keep up. Um, Things like Instagram posting and 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 maintaining sort of audience engagement, mm. um, but I think, yeah, I I'll I'll still fluctuate between not touching it at all and playing with it too much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so is Instagram your main sort of marketing channel?
1: Um. Yes. Yeah. At this at this stage, and and also I guess Etsy, but. That obviously the Instagram sort of feeds people towards my website or
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, or Etsy and it's, it's just been amazing the yeah the Instagram um, response on there and just people messaging you directly and and and, and, and wanting to inquire about buying something or, or getting something made and yeah I definitely just didn't expect that. Um, when I first started the business that that would be a focus um, of the business. Mm -hmm. I guess you sort of when you come up with or when I came up with the business idea it was like okay I'm going to be making and I'm going to be doing this and then you think okay with the markets like I was saying you can say okay I'm going to go there for Saturday and Sunday or just Saturday and you know you can very much separate those two things but now that a lot is online and 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 you know you maybe don't need to go to the market or or can't go to the market Mm. and so yeah you have to spend that time um online to to promote and to um yeah engage with customers and and find new customers as well
0: Mm -hmm. do you use pinterest at all
1: i do a little Mm. bit yeah i've only just dabbled with with pinterest a bit, but it's still an unknown avenue as far as how to make it, um, work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think-, think
0: it would work really well with your products cause they're so like attention grabbing.
1: Yeah. And that's, I guess something that, yeah, other people have, have commented on and I try to, I mean, yeah, the, the other fun thing about the online stuff is that, um, um, yeah, before this business, I enjoyed Doing some um, amateur photography, and and that's been a nice way to um, develop that a bit more, and and mm. and really try to hone my skills there. Because knowing that a picture online can, you know, really help to um, draw people in and 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 to engage with them and direct them to your website or whatever has um, yeah allowed me to be creative about that as well. Mm. Um. And yeah, I've had a few things on Pinterest that I think that more connects to Etsy that it, that it drives maybe international customers too. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't. I probably just don't spend enough time analyzing all the data and, and letting that knowing how to um, use that that data to inform what I should be doing more of and mm-hmm. and 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 what I yeah. What what I sh- what avenues avenues need to be improved on?
0: I mean, there's so much to do, isn't there? There's always ah, more to do.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I think at the end of it, if I'm still getting enough orders that i that that's keeping me busy and that's um, keeping things ticking along, then I'm yeah, I, I feel less likely to dive too deep into that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and maybe as well, I think um, I've I've done a few little marketing courses on digital marketing and they also talk about finding other people to, to help you because you just can't learn it all and you just can't be an expert at, at everything when it comes to the online marketplace and um, and also yeah, you might there's there's certainly things that that I don't like doing as far as admin and mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and online marketing goes so Yeah, it would make sense for me to find people or, or, um, marketers who, who can do that for me, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you outsource anything at the moment?
1: Um, not really. No. (laughs) It's it's hard to do. I, um, some of my op shopping to my dad.
0: Right. Nice.
1: (laughs) Which, you know, he's, he's, he's taken to quite well, but, um. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and other things he's definitely helped me with. My, my, my family have, have helped to make things. And, and, you know, when it's busy periods, I'll, I'll definitely, if I need help, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to get it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, going that next mile of paying a, a, um, full time professional person to do the things that I can't, um, yeah is 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 probably the next step for me at the moment
0: it's on the list
1: yeah
0: <laughs> outsourcing my bookkeeping was my favorite thing
1: oh actually i did outsource bookkeeping that all right
0: was... <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> i outsourced it to my husband but whatever so, <laughs> so i was I, lucky I think was, that. My
1: did, was not going to have a bar of it but... <laughs>
0: I do employ him, so he does get paid for it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. he didn't originally. Let's be upfront about that. But uh, he does now.
1: (laughs) And accounting, yeah, that's something that I definitely can't deal with. So definitely need an accountant.
0: (laughs) So what do you see for your business in the future? Like, are you happy kind of with how things things are going or do you have some dreams or some goals that you want to sort of bring into fruition in the next few years?
1: Um yeah it's it's a tricky question because i guess after this year of slowing down a bit and and having a child it's changed my perspective a little bit on on and maybe the drive that i had Mm -hmm. um previously and and maybe before that i didn't really have a whole heap of direction either but i think Yeah, now it'll be more refined and, 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 and thought out, but I'm still figuring out what that was or sorry, what that is. But I think definitely more, um, custom orders would, would be great where I can, um, yeah, pick and, and, and choose which ones, uh, are going to suit me and, and work with, with others to do one-off things, which would be fun. Um, Mm -hmm. Also scaling up um, the online sales. But I think if that happens, I'll probably need to um, perhaps employ somebody or uh, to, to help with making stock mm-hmm. um, and, and doing things like packing parcels and running them to the post office. Because that, for me, is very time-consuming and particularly when you're sending fragile objects and, mm-hmm. you know, glass items and and um yeah you have to spend that extra time to make it um safe to to arrive particularly for international orders Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that if i'm going to scale up i need to perhaps yeah work on getting some somebody else to help me with the making and 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 packing side of things
0: i'm glad you mentioned that actually because i i know that a lot of the listeners will Want to kick me if I don't ask you about it, but shipping, because you are shipping so many uh, different objects, heavy objects. How do you go about working out the shipping cost? And you know, is is that a big uh, obstacle or hurdle in trying to get online sales?
1: Um, it it is, and 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 I still yeah struggle with it because obviously everything costs a different amount to send based on its weight and its size and, and, um, they, as well as obviously how far it's going. Um, I, for a while I was using sendal, which was really handy because at least they had, um, flat rates on, on objects, but mostly mm-hmm. around Australia and, and, um, yeah, you're able to use that flat rate as a, as a guide to, um, what you need to charge on your website. Um, but, yeah, definitely finding boxes that are the right shape and size for some mm-hmm. things, like tennis rackets that are just a little <laughs> bit too long for normal boxes that I've got. Um, so, yeah, that 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 creates its own challenges. But, um, yeah, obviously I'll, have, I'll also have really small, um, I've got these really small jar lanterns that, filled with marbles and so they weigh more than the tennis racket does mm. but it's a, a a a fifth of the size and it might still be more expensive to send that one object so i think the challenge as well is finding based on the price of the item that you're selling um and having a shipping cost that isn't as um yeah, it doesn't seem overpriced for what the price of the object is. Mm. So, you know, if somebody's spending $100 on an item, uh, there's probably a rule to it, but I don't think they would want to spend more than 10% of that on shipping additionally. Mm-hmm. So if it was, yeah, an extra $10, that might be the limit. Whereas if somebody spent had to spend $25 for a $100 object to get sent, I feel like that puts people off.
0: Hmm. One thing that COVID definitely taught me this year, which I, well, last year, which I was really quite surprised about um, because I used to offer free shipping internationally, but when COVID hit, Australia stopped offering the economy international yeah. option. Yeah. And so I had to start charging, you know, standard shipping rates for all my jewellery. And so some of my earrings are like, you know, 35 US dollars and the shipping 16 US dollars. amount, The amount of people who still bought is quite amazing um so it's it, it does always surprise me what pe- people some people are willing to pay if they really want something they'll pay yep. the shipping for it but yeah that kind of it, it is definitely a worry you know you think well is it it's going to turn some people off there are some people who will look elsewhere because they'll want to try to find it cheaper um do you do you tend to sort of try to put a bit of the shipping cost into the item price to make the shipping look not quite so horrific
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah, i've started to and and probably for the most part of last year I, I was offering free shipping um, and just absorbing or adding a little bit of extra cost to the to the item price. Just because I think people or I know myself included, I just don't like putting an object into the cart and then finding out how much mm. extra shipping is and then making your decision based yep. on, on, on how much that is and, and I think there's a lot of empty carts left where um, people just don't want to pay that extra shipping amount or you, you hadn't factored that in. Whereas if it's just all absorbed in, um, it might seem a bit more expensive as an item price, but knowing that it's free shipping, I think people make that decision um, or can make that decision more easily. Yeah. Um, having said that, I, I still feel like I probably haven't factored in enough, uh, and and you know I might look at this year at, at another little price increase, as far as that bounce of supply and demand and um, things like uh, you, you know um, paying for the for the boxes and and mm-hmm. the wrapping materials and the, um, the 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 bubble wrap. Like I've I've tried to use more eco-friendly um, stuff that's made out of paper for, for instead of bubble wrap, but it's more expensive. Yeah, of course. And, you know, it's really hard to calculate how much you're using per item and how much you should charge extra per item because it, it, that varies mm. item to item but depending on how expensive that cardboard box was or whatever. So, yeah, I still struggle with that a little bit and I, at the end of the, I usually just guess it or go with what feels right as far as what I think people are willing to pay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I can adjust that or I, I do adjust that every now and then if there's something that I think, oh, well, I just haven't sold any of those for six months. That must be something to do with it. I'll try and lower the price a little bit and see if that helps. Um, but, and and then I guess the opposite could be done if if something's... Selling quite well, and 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 you, but you're worried that you're not making enough profit per item. You can increase that by a little bit, and then at least um, test that out and and see if that helps to make a difference.
0: Yeah, I've and
1: done that. That's, sure. yeah. The, the free shipping for me, particularly on Etsy, like mm. they when you first signed up and they say recommended, we re- recommend free shipping, and I just didn't like that they were you know that they were sort of stipulating that and obviously they don't force you but they strongly recommend it and um yeah i just I wasn't having as much success and then as soon as i changed the free shipping but increased the prices by essentially what the shipping amount was or a little bit less just to give it a nice rounded number um it, it worked so yeah. yeah i'm 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 as much as I don't love it, it it's yeah, I think it, it, it can work as a, a bit of a marketing tool, particularly in this last year where I knew that I, for instance, when I wasn't going to the markets, um, the outlay of money that I'm spending to be at the market is um, is needs to be accounted for in each item that I sell um, direct to a customer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I often or hadn't factored that in to those costs. Whereas online, at least, if people are paying the same price as they are face to face, that that ma- money that I would have spent on being at the market is kind of absorbed by that, um, you know, shipping cost that I would have been spending um, to, to, to send something a bit cheaper online.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have some sort of formula or to work out your prices for your items as well?
1: Um, not a set formula for every item no. um, and it took me a couple of years I think I just sort of was just feeling it and 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 yeah, thinking what people would 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 pay in a way, mm-hmm. which is um, probably not the best way to go about it because I think. <laughs> you obviously know your item better than customers do and you know what you spend on it. But I did follow the sort of rule, general rule of... um, Once I started wholesaling particularly, I think I I, um, realised that your retail price should be double what the wholesale price is. Yeah. And your wholesale price should be um, sort of double what your materials plus labor is Mm -hmm. and again labor is a very hard thing to quantify and and have a set amount for because it can fluctuate item to item based on how much time is spent on each one Mm -hmm. um but yeah as a general rule i sort of try to stick to that um quite broadly if i'm if i am wholesaling things but i feel like that's also difficult because if you only follow that rule yeah there's definitely some things that would be way too expensive that people just won't buy Mm -hmm. and other things that might be um too cheap that you're just not making quite enough um margin on
0: yeah absolutely i always say you know you need you need to do the maths and work it all out but then you need to do the second step um where you sort of look at the market you look at you know, what's out there and you just get a feel for who your customers are and then mm. adjust it up or down accordingly as long as you're still covering your costs, obviously.
1: Yeah. Well, I like what um, what you said in one of your previous podcasts about, um, you know, you can think of it as selling 100 objects at, at $1 or one object at a $100 mm-hmm. and, you know how much more time are you going to spend making if you have to make a 100 of them instead of just one? Um, and, and also, obviously, how many more people are less likely to buy it when it's more expensive at $100? So, yeah, that's sort of helped me to think differently about what my time is worth yeah. and, and um, yeah, whether I want to be making you know, a thousand different, a thousand of the same thing over and over and over to make a small margin on each one, which might be bigger in the, in the, in the long run, but maybe I just don't want to spend all of that time making that thing a thousand times, though mm. so I'll increase the price and, you know, make less profit overall perhaps, but um, enjoy my time and my work more. So yeah. I think that's something that's sort of starting to shift a little bit um, yeah with and, and and the difficult thing for me is because of some of that is stipulated by the the, the rarity of the item or mm-hmm. the expense of the item and and the, the cost of materials and cost of goods um, to make it so yeah for instance the um, the microscopes are quite expensive on their on their own um so and 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 as a result i haven't been able to find many um or bring the price of those down um because i just don't have enough in stock to 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 keep you know to sell a thousand of them yeah so i don't mind if i only got a few sitting there for a while at a higher price because I know that I don't, I I haven't got more that I need to get or I I can't, if I can't find more of them, I can't make more of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's such a cool product too. I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) I have a science background, so it's like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, Now, um, after all of that and all that experience and what you've been through for the last five, six years, could you draw out like a core piece of advice that you would pass on to other makers about running a successful business?
1: um okay that's a big one <laughs> um, I would say I think the first thing is maybe just for me and the, and, and maybe the one of the, the biggest challenges is remaining authentic to your creativity Mm-hmm. And yeah, and 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 keeping, staying creative because I think that's that's a really difficult thing when when the whenever you turn an artistic expression into a business and and having to make money out of it, it sort sort of changes your perspective or your value of what that art is, and 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 what it was before you started making money out of it so Mm -hmm. yeah i think i would say try not to lose sight of that and be distracted by the fact that you want to make more money from um from the business because i think obviously you know we we obviously strive to, to, to build a business to be as, as profitable as possible. But, um, yeah, I think the challenge is maintaining your creativity that you're still enjoying it. Um, yeah. Cause I think if you, if you spend too much time focusing on how much you're earning and, and how much, how, how profitable it's become, um, yeah, it's easy to lose sight of why you started in the first place and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it might not be as enjoyable to do the creative aspect of it or, or or you might just have less time to do the creative aspect. So, yeah, I think in those formative years, definitely um, sort of honing your skills on the creative aspect of it um, when you have the time to do that. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, if you're going to, obviously, maybe maybe I'm just telling myself that once you get to the point um, where you can scale up or, or, or could scale up, then you can yeah outsource those things to, to people that will do it quicker and, and spending your time on what you enjoy doing, the most enjoyable part of the, the business and the creative process rather than um, yeah getting caught up in all the numbers
0: well i mean we are the creative engines behind our our businesses so it's important that we don't lose sight of the fact that that's the kind of one part of the business we can't really outsource to someone else
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah awesome michael it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today where can people go to find your amazing work
1: um so you can check out the website is upswitch.com.au au. And you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Upswitch, which is Mr. The Word, M-I-S-T-E-R, Upswitch. And also on Facebook and Pinterest and almost YouTube. Almost <laughs>
0: YouTube. I think be, YouTube would be great for you. Like You could, like, film yourself making different things and
1: i like started to yeah, dabble around in, in recording some of the processes, and that's cool. stop mo- I love doing stop motions and stuff as well, so oh, yeah. I need to get back into that. <laughs> but again, it's just another whole thing, creating <laughs> content.
0: It is. I've just started doing more YouTube this year, though. So. I just filmed a ring making yesterday, so.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, I think yeah, people definitely you know, want to see more of the process, and I think for the first couple of years i was worried that i was going to be giving away my secrets and people would be copying but you know i think if there's more people that want to be creative in the world what's wrong with that
0: absolutely thank you so much michael
1: no worries thank you
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of the creative podcast my name is jess van den if you would like to you know say hey let me know what you thought of the show hit me up on instagram i'm at create and thrive over on instagram and i'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you enjoy about the show and please do share it as i said i really really would appreciate that um, so i can help more people via this free show and of course if you do want to join us for setup shop which is starting very very soon first of March you can do so over at createandthrive.com forward slash set up shop and you'll find out about everything I teach you in that course it's a 30-day intensive course and it's less than a hundred dollars because you know this is a course that I want as many people as possible to be able to afford to take so I deliberately keep the price very very low I've always charged the same amount and I will always charge the same amount for this course no matter what and it has you know my 12 years of experience selling successfully online underpinning it so i hope you do join us for that uh i'm really looking forward to getting started and uh, i'll be back again in another fortnight with another episode of the show if you want to catch up with me weekly you can do so over on my youtube channel youtube.com forward slash jess venden and of course don't forget to check out my other podcast the business of making catch you soon bye for now